Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran of the NYPD. Folks, we're back following the Ruby Frankie, Jody Hildebrandt case. A couple of new happenings with this case. Kevin Frankie wanted to file charges against his daughter for burglary, and he threatened to sue the police. I wonder whose side in this he's on as he goes against his eldest daughter, Shari. Uh, Newly obtained police reports outline how some of Ruby Frankie's children and family members were able to access her home after police served a warrant and broke down the front door of the home. According to a police report, Ruby's husband, Kevin, who admitted he hadn't been at the home for more than a year, wanted to file charges against his daughter, who went into the home and took some of the property. Uh, A report reported to the news uh, shows that Springville police officers were back at Ruby Frankie's home on August 31st, the day after they executed a warrant on the property. The eldest daughter, Shari, had gone to the home to gather clothing and personal items for the two sisters. A DCFS caseworker was also at the home gathering items for the two other children who were in the state's custody uh, in southern Utah. After they were located the previous day at, uh, in Livens at Jody Hildebrandt's home. The caseworker informed police they believed Kevin Frankie might be at the home, that he might not be cooperative. which is why they requested police assistance. When police arrived, the caseworker, Shari, and other family members were already in the home. All of them were further advised that they should not collect any items that do not belong to them or aren't needed for the children. uh, The news station obtained a third police report from Springville Police outlining a phone call from Kevin Frankie, Ruby's husband, reporting a burglary on September 1st. Kevin allegedly reported that electronic items, specifically his electronic journals, were missing. He told officers he believes his oldest daughter, Shari, is responsible due to a statement she made in court. The officer told Kevin the front door had been broken in after the search warrant was served days prior and not broken by his oldest daughter. Kevin then stated that Shari is not allowed in the home and that he believes she entered unlawfully and he wants her charged with burglary read an officer's statement. Kevin states he does not want any of the children mentioned in the home at this time. I again explained that they needed to get essential items of theirs that were in the home, which he did not seem to think was relative. The report mentions that Shari brought the items to the Springville Police Department. They were given to Kevin a short time later. Among the items were three tablets, three cell phones, three cameras, GoPros, a stack of written journals, and three passports for Kevin Ruby and another of their children. The complaint was informed that he would not be charging his daughter with anything as her intent was not to deprive him, blah, 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 blah. But folks, you can obviously see there's some discord in this family. Imagine, first of all, Kevin Frankie, we're not even really sure whose side he's on here, you know? Kevin Frankie had not lived in that home for 14 months, so how is he the person of record even though that's not a burglary, obviously, anyway. Burglary is to knowingly and unlawfully enter or remain in a building with intent to commit a crime therein. 
there obviously was no enter and remaining unlawfully because she was with the police and child's uh, DCFS, Division of Child and Family Services. So that's just ridiculous that for, for him to allege that. I also said on previous shows, Kevin Frankie, what is his role in this case? Is he going to be potentially under arrest down the road? Or is he going to be a witness against his wife, Ruby Frankie, and potentially Jody Hildebrandt? So these are some of the questions that I have here. And, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to answer them tonight, but we're sure going to have a good time trying. Folks, welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Hold on to your hat. We're going to take a great ride tonight. There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir. They have the car stopped at 10th and Ranch Microbiter. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. So Kevin Frankie allegedly uh, making allegations against his eldest daughter, Shari, who had on previous occasions called the police on her mother. Uh, I question what is his motivation here? And is he all the time being advised by his attorney, Randy Kester, who always seems to be ready at the hand? Uh, let's play a little bit from Law and Crime. Finally reveal who broke down the door to Ruby Frankie's family home and where her children were the day of her arrest. My gosh, you guys having kids is so much fun. Law and Crime Network has covered the story extensively since it broke in late August when YouTube mom Ruby Frankie was arrested in Southern Utah. Her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt, was also arrested after Frankie's 12-year-old son broke free from her home. A neighbor called 911, reporting the boy was emaciated with duct tape around his wrists and ankles. This kid is obviously been, I think he's been, he's been detained. He's been, he's obviously covered in wounds. When first responders arrived on the scene, two of Frankie's children were taken to the hospital in need of immediate care. Hey, 314, the, uh, Wounds on his leg are pretty, pretty good. 12X511, 314 medical is going to transport him to the, his wounds are in need of immediate care. Ruby Frankie rose to fame on the now defunct YouTube channel, Eight Passengers. She documented her life with husband Kevin Frankie and their six children. Eve has been amazingly well behaved for being in town. But for you yelled at me. <laughs> Every time I watch that, I get like, it, it. it's just so obvious that something wrong, very wrong is going on in that family. You know, the little girl say, mommy, you yelled at me. And she's like, so trying to cover it up. Like, oh my God, of course that never happens. You know? 
So it, it, it's just very scary. But, you know, one of the commonalities here, too, uh, and you can understand maybe what Kevin Frankie's motivation is here, is big, big bucks. There's money here. When we spoke about Ruby Frankie and her Eight Passengers podcast on YouTube that's now defunct or taken off the air, she had over 2 million, 2 million subscribers. That's a lot of wheat. You know, and then she joins Jody Hildebrandt with connections and this other business. You saw the size of Jody Hildebrandt's house, right? It looked like, uh, you know, someone said it was about a 3.2 or $3.5 million house. So no small potatoes there, you know? So is, is money, is this all about money? Because it seems like Kevin Frankie is like, I don't know if he knows which side he wants to be on. Or which side is he on? You know, that's that's the strange thing about this. But there's some serious, serious allegations. But then there's also some serious, serious money involved here, you know? And is that what Kevin Frankie's motivation is? Will he really sell out his kids for money? Uh, well, that remains to be seen. Let's see. The fact that I yell at my kids is a secret. We don't want our viewers to know. Frankie eventually began collaborating with Hildebrandt as part of Connections, a self-help organization for families. Uh, anytime you think I want, fill in the blank, I don't care what it is, that is not love. Mm -hmm. Love is a, is a gift that you offer because you have generated it inside yourself. And how do you generate love? Well, the, the only way to generate love is you use your agency to choose principles of truth. According to local Utah TV stations, it was... I sure would not want that woman, Jody Hildebrandt, to teach me about love, you know? Even it coming out of her mouth, uh, it seems like the opposite, you know? Love. She says it in such a stern fashion. Is love really supposed to be the way she explains it? I don't think so another Connections member who was taking care of two of Frankie's children when she was arrested. Court documents state Pam Botcher, listed as the president of Connections, picked up two of Frankie's kids in northern Utah at the time of her arrest. Frankie and Hildebrandt were arrested in Washington County in the southern part of the state, but the Frankie family home is in Utah County, about four hours north. That's where court documents say surveillance video showed Botcher pick up the two kids. That, you know, something right there. Um, an agent of Jody Hildebrandt, who is under arrest, right? And a friend of Jody Frankie, who happens to be the president of this ill-fated company or this bad company, Connections, I think the police should have really, really probably checked that out a little bit better. That really, that this Miss Botcher, who's the president of this company, that the 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 main person involved, Jody Hildebrand, is being arrested, and 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 you're going to let the kids go to this woman? Uh, I think that's pretty bad. She later told police that she quote received a call from Ruby Frankie who told her that she had a family emergency and asked if Botcher could pick up the kids. But before police tracked down the children, they went to the family home in Springville. Later, police obtained a search warrant for the Frankie family home, knocking down the front door. 
But for weeks, that taped up front door was a mystery. Long Crime Network even reported on it. Now with a taped up front door, this is the family home where the Frankies once lived. While on location in Utah, we sat down with Randy Kester, attorney for Kevin Frankie. When asked about the door, Kester said this. I know that somehow during the process of all this going on with the, the police and other family members and who, who knows, someone apparently broke the door. Amazing to me that an attorney can't make a few phone calls to the police and say, this is the address. Was, was there any police activity at that location? The police have records of every job they go on, every response they go on, and they would have said, oh, yes, it was the subject of a search warrant. This guy's an attorney. Are we supposed to be this stupid to think that he doesn't know how to pick up a phone and call the police department? Did they really think criminals broke into the house? The house stayed open for two weeks with the front door broken. No one broke into it after that. You don't think this attorney, Randy Kester, could have picked up a phone? Come on. This, you would take us for stupid people? No, we're not stupid people. So he hasn't been able to get it replaced yet. He's in that process, but, but yeah, so he's probably got tape on it. At the time of the interview in early September, Kester said he wasn't sure if someone broke into the family home. Somebody broke in? Uh, well, they broke the door. Someone called the police that executed a, a search warrant, Mr. Kester. I think you could have picked up the phone and found that out. I don't, I don't know if someone broke in. I mean, family members have had access to the home. So I don't think they had any reason to kick the door down. But someone broke in, broke the door. Prior to Frankie and Hildebrandt's arrests, Kevin Frankie says he'd been estranged from his wife. His attorney says Kevin hadn't seen the kids in months and wasn't even aware they were in Southern Utah. Kevin very much loved his children and loved his wife and had a strong bond. And how, how come that he speaks in the past tense? He very much loved his children and loved his wife. Doesn't he still love them or, or are we to believe he doesn't never love them? How is he speaking? He's an attorney. How is he speaking in the past tense with his client loving his children? He loved, that's in the past tense, and he loved his wife, and that's in the past tense. Very strange. An exceptionally strong bond with all of his kids. You've seen pictures of their family together. He was involved in all sorts of activities. He was a great, he was a great dad. Uh, but Ruby felt like there were differences in their marriage, and at one point, in conjunction with Jody Hildebrand, it was sort of like, uh, we, we have to separate to save our marriage. You know, we'll keep working on our marriage, but for now, you know, if, if you're gonna sep if we're gonna repair our marriage and be back together as a family, you have to be away. You know, folks, I had spoken about this before. So here's a counselor that it turns out she's living with, right? Ruby Frankie. And she advises her to get rid of her husband, right? So for 14 months, he doesn't talk or see his wife, allegedly, if we're going to believe him, and has nothing to do with his children because that was the key to keeping the family together. Guess what? If you don't see your wife and your kids for 14 months, that's not keeping your family together. That's the definition of a part. And you have to work on yourself and don't have contact with the kids 
don't have contact with me unless I initiate it. During the interview, Kester also told us Kevin Frankie hadn't been living in the family home for more than a year, so he was unaware of what happened to the door. I, I honestly don't know. He doesn't know. He wasn't there. He didn't know. None of the neighbors have reported that. Okay, you know, folks, we know now. We know that the police executed a search warrant. What was so difficult for them to find this out? Is this guy admitted to the bar, Randy Kester? Does he have a, he has a law degree? He's admitted to the Utah bar. He doesn't know how to dial a phone, call the local police, say the front door is broke. Oh, we executed a search warrant. Okay, end of story. Investigation over. We just found out who broke the front door of the house. Anyone came over that they saw anyone just damaging the door. So he, he just honestly doesn't know. No one's told him. Was anything missing from inside the house? You know something? This is insulting to everyone's intelligence that listens to this guy. Really? Oh, he knows nothing. I, they didn't teach me in law school how to dial a phone. Oh, the Springville police cover this? Oh, uh, I don't know that phone number. Um, uh, oh, geez. Uh, we thought someone just broke in. We didn't bother to inquire, though. Uh, well, I think some of the kids, the, the older kids were in the home. So to his knowledge, he hadn't lived there for 13 months. So he doesn't know what was there. You know, he didn't, he hasn't told me that he saw anything missing other than some personal papers. But other than that, he doesn't, he hasn't reported to me that anything was stolen. We've had this discussion and he says, I don't have any proof, solid proof of who did it. All he knows is he's got to get it fixed again. And it was quite expensive. Yeah. <laughs> you said it has to get fixed again. Was it broken prior to this? No, no, no. Oh, just no. get it fixed. Get it fixed. Yeah, okay. Good catch. But according to local reports, Kevin Frankie allegedly reported electronics missing from the home. An officer's statement reads in part, quote, Kevin stated that Sherry, his oldest daughter, was not allowed in the home and that he believes she entered unlawfully and he wants her charged with burglary. But according to a statement from Randy Kester this week, that's not the case. Kester told Law and Crime Network Kevin and Sherry are, quote, working together on bygones and resuming a loving and healthy father-daughter relationship. Kester went on to say, quote, he is daily nonetheless enduring and devoting his time and effort into doing what's best for his kids, following the guidance of real professionals and hoping to put back together in a healthy and fostering environment. These statements echo what Kester told us in person. There's a Folks, you know, just to uh, give you a little like uh, tutorial on the law a little bit. If someone has permission and authority uh, to go into a house, say, and maybe she doesn't have permission, but whose authority is it to give her permission of that house? She used to live in that house, Shari. She's one of the Frankies. So this would not be a criminal matter if anything and if and i don't think kevin frankie is the one that has control over that domain he hasn't been there for 14 months if anyone would be the person of record it would be ruby frankie uh, and and i don't believe either one of them could make this a criminal matter if anything it would be a civil matter or a family court matter it's definitely not criminal so for him initially to say, I want her arrested for burglary, that's ridiculous. You know, 
And this attorney should have told them that it's ridiculous, you know? And I told you the definition of burglary, knowingly and unlawfully enter or remain in a building with intent to commit a crime. On very many, many levels, that's not a burglary. She had no intent to commit any crime. And she didn't knowingly and unlawfully enter, did she? So it's not a burglary, period. Oh, again, this attorney went to law school. I'm just a cop. <laughs> ex-cop and a hell of a podcaster <laughs> a lot to be told there's a lot of chapters in this book and the more i dig into it the more i i've said this before and i'll say it again i think that uh, jody is in the middle of all this and I, I i describe her as an onion with an octopus inside the more layers you peel back about jody's life and connections Every time you peel back a layer, an octopus tentacle comes springing out. There's, yeah, there, there's a lot to be told. This is a fascinating and tragic uh, uh, event in their lives, and will probably have lifelong effects. It's gonna, it's gonna take him a long time to help these kids get through this, the trauma that's been perpetrated on them. And uh, but he's up to it, and he's dedicated to doing it. As for items that may have been missing from the family home, Kester told us, quote, I know that when Kevin moved back into the house, the front door was broken and the house was a mess with a lot of items missing. But as for any charges, Kester said, quote, I don't know if Kevin reported any stolen items, but I know for certain that he did not file any charges against anyone. So very, very interesting. Even the attorney finds this case interesting. You know, as you peel back the onion, what was that term he said? If you, as you peel back the onion, you find an octopus inside. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, I never, uh, I never looked at it that way, you know. But I do look, the only thing I agreed um, with Randy, was Randy uh, Kester, the attorney for Kevin Frankie. The only thing I agreed with him about was, that the catalyst to this whole thing and the, the real poison pill here uh, is Jody Hildebrand. And I want to play something that was on um, Banfield on News Nation. And I hadn't seen this. And I found it to be very interesting. And I was like, wow, if this doesn't paint a picture of Jody Hildebrand, then what does? He was abusing her patience as a counselor. Three men have come forward to say that they went to Jody for family counseling, but were railroaded into porn and sex addiction treatment, even though they did not suffer from those problems. Spencer Tibbetts was just 16 when he was sent to Jody by his family after being found playing video games on a secret cell phone. Wow. He says he was forced into an adult male porn addiction group and subjected to their very adult stories including incest fantasies from one of the men. Folks, could you imagine parents threatening you, I'm going to send you to Jody Hildebrandt for porn addiction counseling. You'd be like, no, no, don't do that. I mean, just this is like crazy. It's, it's really nuts. His father, Brian Tibbetts, went to counseling with his wife, and says that Hildebrand simply put a wedge between the spouses, didn't fix anything, actually made things worse. He also says that Hildebrand treated their 12-year-old daughter 
for something Hildebrand said was control addiction and lying addiction. Those are not official addictions, by the way. And um, placed the child, a 12-year-old, in a 12-step program, all because the little girl wanted a secret cell phone. Another man named Adam Paul Steed says that he sought counseling from Hildebrand and says that his life was absolutely upended when she, as a counselor, broke privilege and shared his private thoughts with his church, his wife, and his university. I spoke with all three of these men just a little earlier tonight. If I could begin with you, Brian, it's your whole family um, was was treated by by Jody. Well, you know, it, it, it's it's ironic that you know all of these gentlemen are complaining about the uh, loss of confidentiality, and then they're appearing on a national news station, pouring their hearts out. It just it just is uh, a little bit crazy. Yeah, you know, it's I don't know. It's ironic. Hildebrand, knowing what you've been through and knowing now what she's been arrested for, were you the least bit surprised with the charges that she's facing? I I was surprised that that she abused a child with duct tape and rope. Um, I but I'm not surprised by that she used that amount of control. Uh, she often said that children should not have privacy, children need to be controlled, children can't be trusted. Um, I didn't think it would have led to abuse, but I almost wouldn't put it past her too. Well, Spencer, you know, you've just heard what your dad said. Um, you saw Jody Hildebrand when you were just 16 for the you know terrible crime of having a secret phone. Would you? say that she would be capable um, of the crimes that she's charged with now, given the person that you got to know back then as a teenager? Um, well, she, uh, she, I never felt a good connection with her. She was like really cold and rude and um, never seemed like she really cared about me as a kid, especially compared to other better therapists I've had. So. It's not very surprising, I guess. Um, I mean, and, I, I didn't think Spencer, she would actually abuse, but sorry. Well, an abuse can come in so many ways, right? I sure. mean, it can be physical, yeah. it can be mental, and certainly yes. hearing that that she treated you with adults uh, who had porn addiction and spoke openly about those kinds of things, as well as fantasies uh, that should never be mentioned in front of a 16-year-old. You know, again, I'm getting, this is in a way it's sad, but it's amusing. Like Ashley Banfield seems like she's the counselor <laughs> and counseling in front of, uh, you know, a national audience of these men that are coming forward because their confidentiality was abridged. <laughs> Am I the only one who's crazy here? I don't know. I think, I think it's nuts. You're old. What were some of those, those sessions like for you as a 21 year old now looking back at your 16 year old self? Well, at the time it was, um, especially because of how locked thing, locked down things were at my house uh, after um, we started therapy with Jody. it was like the first outside connection I had. So on that hand, it was interesting, um, a little bit entertaining sometimes to listen to these guys 
Um, but as an adult looking back at that now, it's horribly disturbing. I can't imagine answering the phone and hearing a squeaky little kid's voice and being like, yeah, you know, I have a, I have a porn addiction or, you know, all of the conversations that I had, it was a 45 minute call every day for a few weeks with a different person each time. Well, and, and, you know, honestly, Brian, looking back, I would think your your blood would be boiling when you discovered some of the things that Jody had exposed your your son to. Absolutely. And I didn't know that my children were were in sessions with Jody. I was separated from my wife and children with the the line drawn in the sand that if I had any contact with my wife or children, uh, she my ex-wife would divorce me. And that was a rule by Jody. So I didn't know they were in therapy. When I finally threw the towel in and had contact with my kids and invited them over in the temporary space where I was living, found out what was going on, I told them all then, you're not going back to Jody. I don't want you to go back and you don't have to if you don't want to. And they resoundingly, all three said, please, we don't want to go back. Thank you for watching. Go to newsnationnow.com. Unbelievable, right? And that, you know, she did lose her license for violating confidentiality. And I, I can't imagine anyone, again, this, this picture is a little bit prejudicial because that's probably the worst picture you could um, you could see of, of, of a uh, therapist, uh, probably not in her best, uh, in her best form, but uh, you know, the, the stories we're hearing that are just coming out now are just just absolutely horrific. And I'm sure we haven't even scraped the surface of, of all of the bad things that occurred under her watch. The YouTube parenting influencers and life coaches arrested for child abuse. Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt were known for their tough love approach. This morning, new accusation from Hildebrandt's relative. Juju Chang is here with that network exclusive interview. Good morning, Juju. Good morning to you, George. Good morning. You know, their arrests were shocking to millions of Ruby Frankie fans, but there had been growing concerns about the momfluencer and her partner, Jody Hildebrand. You're about to meet one woman who says Jody abused her years ago, and nobody listened until now. She was the wildly popular momfluencer, known for her tough love style of parenting. I'm not even going to let you eat breakfast until you get your chores done. But this morning, Ruby Frankie, the mom of six behind bars, along with her business partner, licensed therapist Jody Hildebrand. Those of you who are angry about principles, come and be taught. <laughs> We'd love to have you. Both face six felony counts of aggravated child abuse after Frankie's 12-year-old son escaped from Hildebrand's Utah home last August to a nearby neighbor who called police. He's emaciated. He's got tape around his legs. He's hungry and he's thirsty. While the arrest sent shockwaves, some who knew Hildebrandt say they were not at all surprised. We knew that Jody does this. We knew 14, almost 15 years ago that she's already done this to me. And people saw and people witnessed and did nothing. Just because you reframe it as tough love or tough parenting, that's not love. That is abuse. Hildebrandt's niece, Jessie, who uses they, them pronouns, sitting down for a Network News exclusive interview after suffering what they call brutal abuse at the hands of their Aunt Jody. She would lock me in this room and write out my sins on a paper. She made me sleep outside in the snow. She duct taped me. 
Um, I wasn't allowed to speak to anyone. Jesse is not the only one who points the blame squarely on Hildebrandt. I understand why the public is focusing on Ruby. It's Ruby's children. But all of these these theories and these modalities and these these parenting ideas, that all comes from Jody. It's a sentiment also shared by Frankie's estranged husband, Kevin. Kevin feels like Jody manipulated the entire family. Children. You know, Ke Kevin seems like a, a total wimp to me, really, you know, uh, just a total absolute wimp. And, you, you know, I, I don't know you guys, you feel like in the chat, but here's this attorney speaking to him. Oh, Kevin feels this. Kevin feels. And he hasn't seen his wife for 14 or his kids for 14 months because he was too afraid. He was the cowardly lion. He was too afraid to go back and confront his wife and Jody Hildebrandt, who outweighed him, you know. So, you know, I don't know. Just crazy included what would you say to jody if she were sitting across from you right now you did not win and you do not own my life you do not own my future now we reached out to frankie and hildebrandt's attorneys for comment but neither provided a response and both women were denied bail and if convicted guys they could face decades in prison for these charges wow okay did you just Amazing, right? Someone in the chat says, I don't believe he's a wimp. Well, his actions sure decry that, that he's not a very brave man. Uh, how, how brave do you have to be to confront your wife and see your children to confront this terrorist of a therapist? How brave do you have to be? Do you have to be brave to do that? I don't know. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you like Real crime or true crime from a police perspective, then you're in the right place. And if you're not subscribed to us, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, and ring that bell. Ring my bell, ring my bell. Remember that song? Only those that are old enough to remember that tune. Also, if you want to uh, contribute to us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And we also have a YouTube channel membership with, count them, five different levels. And you see the folks in the green font they're part of our youtube family our subscribers our friends and we really appreciate everything there was another woman who uh this was a little bit um i thought a little bit bizarre but she also was a client of um jody hildebrand i want to play a little bit of her this is a, a really a little bizarre here in saint george um i felt like her style was a little bit more um maybe aggressive than what I had experienced in the past, which I, I thought was going to be a, a really good thing. I then joined her woman's group, our weekly group sessions. And so I did that for nearly a year. What were those sessions like, the group sessions? Those group sessions were myself and however many other ladies, I would say 10 to 12 regularly. Um, same same women and had a expectation of joining every week, not missing any weeks, two hour long sessions, um, probably similar to other group therapies where you were, you know, checking in, um, you were asking for time if you need time um, with the group specifically and within the group. Other, other rules were that you had to make a minimum of seven calls a week and you had to be available for a minimum a week. So you were on the phone a lot 
um, with these other group members, not so much Jody herself. If you wanted to speak to Jody or get help from her, you had to do one-on-one -on -one private sessions and then pay additional for those. Now, the initial reason you went and sought therapy was this uh, on your own? Was this couples? How would you describe what you were looking to do? Um, because the folks I've spoke to all have kind of a different experience of why they were going in the first place. Absolutely. Mine was just myself, just looking to further improve. And, you know, you, you hear of somebody different or a different way. So it was just worth a shot of something, something new. How did you know, I, I just wonder, you know, when you think about how did she wind up going to Jody Hildebrand? Did she go like 1-800-therapist and she came up with Jody Hildebrand? Did she spin a wheel and the color came up, Jody? I mean, that, you got the very worst therapist you could get. How long would it take you to figure out? How long would it take you to fire her? You know, we all go to doctors, right? You go to a doctor, you don't like your doctor, you fire him. You go to a dentist, you don't like your dentist, you fire him. You go to a... And you don't specifically have to fire them. You just stop going to them, right? Or you, you, and you either let them know or not let them know. You call a receptionist, say, look, I'm, I'm leaving. Thank you. Uh, thank you for your services, but I'm out of here. This therapist, again, uh, you play, you pay. Uh, I think you're right. It's very possible the Mormon church recommended her. Apparently, the bishops and the elders, uh, the, the, the ranking people at the Mormon church, were referring referring lots of clients to Jody Hildebrand, which that in itself is quite scary. You know, they were referring clients to her. you. You you play you pay. Thank you for that uh, that thought. Yeah, one eight hundred therapist, someone like that, Alien Bobby. You gotta have a you gotta have a sense of humor once in a while. You know, yeah, one eight hundred therapist. Uh, I don't know if there is such a thing, but you know, sometimes people they go to the weirdest places. Uh, you know to uh to get recommendations for things you know uh, well now we have the internet you could search for anything you want right but uh without necessarily getting a referral for, from someone and that that's a little scary right i would think how did you find her do you remember it was a friend of a friend um i, I couldn't even remember the friend if i tried um name came up i looked up the website and and booked an appointment um that way how would you describe some of the conversations or tactics without getting into the nitty gritty details, of course, but you mentioned um, perhaps a little uniqueness in her style. How so? Mm -hmm. um, I would say with traditional therapy or other uh, therapists I've gone to, there's a little bit more of uh, a feeling of understanding of maybe what a person's been through, whereas this was pretty strict on like. It, like no excuses you're just going to make it happen and it's up to you a hundred percent um i i would call it more military style if i had to like give it a name versus something else imagine that milis, military style therapy is <laughs> isn't that sort of uh opposite of what you would really want Oh, yes, I'm going to a therapist, and she's quite military in her approach. <laughs> you know, anyone, anyone, a Marine out there, I don't think you'd go to a, a drill sergeant for therapy, right? But uh, you still think that being a Marine was one of the greatest things in your life, and it affected your life a great deal. But, but definitely a drill sergeant is not a uh, a therapist, uh, but uh, 
this was quite military she's comparing it to. How long did you end up participating in either individual or group sessions as it pertains to Jody Hildebrand or her company? Just over a year. In your individual session, right? Because I know you did the, the women's group, but in any of your individual sessions, when you had more of that one-on-one -on -one interaction, did anything stand out from those experiences? Um, the, the one thing that I mentioned when I when I did speak to other friends about um, about her and the program, she felt um, extremely uncaring. It felt like uh, transactional. Um, the group, I got a lot of uh, validation or help within the group. I think it was having that level of support and accountability. You know, if you're going to be talking on the phone and, and talking about things for you know, this many hours a week, it's, it's kind of maybe a higher likeliness to work than a one hour session a week with someone else. Uh, but it, it just was like a general feeling of um, uncaring. I went there in a moment of like really deep despair, if you will. And it just kind of was like, well, either sign up and pay the money or see you later, you know? And I, and I took that again as like, well, maybe that's the difference between her and, and others, you know, she. Wow. That's not really a good way to, um, to, to choose a therapist. I don't think, but, uh, someone in the chat wanted to know where did she get those sunglasses? <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't ask her. It's not live. Uh, Michelina Kimmel. Thank you for the 499 super sticker. The LDS church is responsible for Kevin's inaction. If they got divorced, the family wouldn't be sealed and he would lose his planet in Mormon heaven. Wow. I guess I'm not as um, tuned in to that stuff as you guys. I, I get a lot of uh, feedback from the chat in regards to exactly how controlling um, that is. Um, Sarah Keach, I think she's hiding her identity because the church could come after her like they have with others. Being Mormon is like living in a mob family. Snitches get stitches. I guess you didn't finish that, Sarah Keach. Snitches get stitches. That's the code of the street, right? Unfortunately, you wouldn't think that a church should be having the code of the street, right? Uh, Legal-minded friends, Karen Cole, thank you. Uh, welcome, and thank you for your support. Vulnerable. Erica Olson, even the military isn't that bad. Soldier girl. Can you imagine a therapy that just wants you to do your job without feelings or emotion? No, I think that a therapist is supposed to be to properly channel your emotions, right? Uh, Nicolo Diaz, no reverence in what they've done. You know, yeah, I think a therapist should be um, should be teaching, you know, love. Uh, Elena McGee, past tense, very telling. Yeah, I mean, you know, every time we pull up someone uh, that had anything to do with uh, with Jody Hildebrandt, it, there's there's uh, I'm sorry, I just is I haven't had anyone say, oh, it was a very positive experience. She, I felt so much better after six months or a year attending her therapy sessions. Everyone so far has had a bad experience and you know uh and that's why we're probably here today discussing this case because there was no one that had a good experience details about the family of a popular youtuber accused now of child abuse police reports obtained by two news show how law enforcement and dcfs 
responded to Ruby Frankie's Springville home on the day of her arrest. And before going on breaking news, Daniel Woodruff spoke with a local defense attorney about some of the big revelations, and he breaks all this down for us tonight. You know, I think this is just, you know, one more one more piece of the puzzle. Defense attorney Sky Lazaro says these reports from Springville police shed more light on the child abuse case involving Ruby Frankie. It tends to, you know, maybe lend some credibility that there, there was probably or potentially some problems there. Frankie of YouTube's Eight Passengers fame and her business partner Jody Hildebrand were arrested in southern Utah August 31st after police say two of Frankie's children were found hungry and hurt. That same day, Springville police found two of Frankie's other children. A police report says they were in American Fork with a woman named Pam Bodcher, who told officers Ruby had called her saying she had a family emergency and asked if her kids could stay with her. The two children wanted to stay with Bodger, police wrote, but were ultimately placed with Ruby's oldest daughter. I stopped by Pam Bodger's house here in American Fork to see if she had any comment about what's gone on, but nobody answered the door. Meanwhile, police reports also show Ruby's husband, Kevin, reported a burglary at his home, which police told him was just them serving a warrant looking for the kids. Kevin also wanted to file charges against his own daughter, police said, accusing her of stealing when she went into the house to get some items for her siblings. Police said they told Kevin there was no crime committed, but he was unsatisfied and threatened to sue. Daniel. That was Daniel Woodruff reporting. Kevin Frankie's attorney did release a statement to Two News about this, saying that Kevin never sued and that he and his daughter are working on their relationship. He also said Kevin is still trying to understand and correct the upside-down world that was dealt to him. It is a lot to deal with all at once, he says. New court. Amazing. I, I I don't know. I have a I have a again. Uh... I'm having a problem with with Kevin Frankie not not stepping up here. And, and again, perhaps I'm naive because I don't live in Utah and I don't know perhaps what a lot of you guys have told me the stranglehold that the Mormon Church has on these people. Dominique, Jody wasn't representing herself as a counselor when she started Connections. She was a life coach that don't have to have the same qualifications. She had lost her license when she started it. Dominique, I believe that in 2012, um, uh, Jody Hildebrandt lost her license for a violation of confidentiality. And uh, she had since um, gotten her license back. But um, there was, um, she, there was again, she uh, violating confidentiality obviously is she had told something, I believe, to the church bishops or elders about a client, and he sued her for that. And based the, and that, I mean, that's the one of the hugest no-nos on this earth for a therapist, a doctor, a lawyer. Anyway, confidentiality is a huge, huge violation. If someone violates that, of course, they can lose their license. And in this case, um, Jody Hildebrandt did lose her license because she, in fact, violated confidentiality. And uh, one of the worst things you can do in any of those professions, lawyer, doctor, therapist, uh, is violate confidentiality. Folks, if you're looking for a great attorney in the New York metropolitan area, then Joe Murray is your man. 
Joe's a retired member of the service, a retired NYPD police officer, and a fantastic defense attorney. You can contact Joe on his cell phone at 718-514-3855. Email him at joe at jmurray-law.com. Or go on his website, jmurray-law.com. And besides being a fantastic defense attorney, Joe is an unbelievable, unbelievable supporter of the Police Off the Cuff podcast. He's been with us pretty much right from the beginning, and we really appreciate all he's done for us. Put on hold today. Thanks for joining us for Two News at Five. I'm Mark Cabell. And I'm Heidi Hatch. A bail hearing for both Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrand scheduled for this morning in St. George was postponed just hours before it was set to start. So, folks, this is basically old news, but we know that they were denied bail and they are still in jail. In fact, Ruby Frankie's attorney needed time to digest all of the discovery material. So uh, they haven't even had a bail hearing yet. Attorneys filed a motion to postpone, citing the large amount of discovery that still needs to be reviewed. We do have team coverage for you tonight following the very latest developments. Yeah, Brian Schnee at the live desk for us today with a look at some newly obtained police documents that name Jody Hildebrandt. But first, Ruby and her husband Kevin were in court today for a welfare case involving their children. Amanda Gilbert joining us live tonight from the courthouse with the very latest there. Amanda. Yeah, cameras were not allowed inside the courtroom today, but reporters were. And actually, during the hearing today, Ruby Frankie's attorney said that she would be in jail, quote, for the foreseeable future. Also, for the first time today, I spoke with Kevin Frankie's attorney. I asked about uh, the future of the children. Kevin Frankie and his attorney, Randy Kester, left juvenile court after an almost 30-minute scheduling hearing. Kevin's wife, Ruby, is accused of abusing their children. We're just working toward trying to get this family healed and get these kids uh, back where they should be. As far as the children's future, Kester says... They need to be with a family member, preferably Kevin. He said Kevin and Ruby have been separated for 14 months. We're working hard, Kevin and I, to... Uh, convinced the state that he's uh, an incredible father. For today's hearing, Judge Lachata Pazell asked discussion focus on scheduling. She also talked about a pending motion to seal this case, which means it would close it to the public. I asked Kevin's attorney about this. These kids have been through a lot, and to have all this media exposure to them individually as uh, little kids who have been manipulated, uh, I, yeah, I think I think it's better held privately. In the courtroom, Virginia Blanchard, who represents the children in the case, stated, we're not talking about adults, children, sensitive information that has been published worldwide. The judge brought up transparency in court is important, so she needs more time to think about this. She also asked Sherry Frankie, Ruby and Kevin's oldest daughter, who was at the hearing with an attorney, to weigh in on the request to close this case, which could prevent her from attending future hearings. I think she has a right to be a part of these proceedings. She's part of the family. Sherry's attorney would not comment so folks that's uh, just some of the uh, the hearings and why you, i think many of us have wondered why they haven't been bailed and uh, you know you see across the country with bail reform you know some of the most heinous criminals on this earth get bailed and i mean all what they did was egregious as hell and deserves high bail, I would have thought that they would have gotten bail. And at this point, 
They have not. Midwest, thank you for the $5 super sticker. Ruby was so mean to those kids with Kevin there, uh, there even before Jody. All three need to be locked up. Well, Midwest, they currently are, and we don't know um, what, the, what the outcome of this is going to be. However, right now, they are locked up. Googie Grant, to work for the church or attend the church school, you have to have the approval of your bishop. Wow. So I'm I'm not uh, plugged into uh, to what's going on there. Mary Michael. Uh, Schmitty, I saw your comment earlier about Kevin's lawyer and agree he reminds you of the one of the pod people in the body snatches. There was something that's really sketchy about him. Yeah, I mean, I think that... Um, you know, he he tells he's almost like a uh, the press guy for the uh, you know that's the spin guy that's trying to spin things his way or his client's way, and truth doesn't really mean much. Uh, fun size, sorry, Bill, I'm late. I smashed the button. I'll be going back to start at the beginning. Fun size, welcome. Anytime you want to come in, you can even watch it after the fact. But thank you so much, Donna Hori. Thank you so much for the 199 super sticker. Uh, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Hoyi, I guess. It's an Irish name too, right? And I'm Irish. I can't even pronounce Irish names. What's wrong with me? <laughs> At least it sounds Irish to me. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think it's it sounds a uh... Mel Stiller. The only time a therapist is permitted to share a patient's name with the police is if this patient is dangerous to himself, herself, and a threat to others. Mel Stiller, you're 100% right. Or I think if the uh, if the patient tells a therapist that he intends to commit some heinous crime, I think that's when the line is drawn and the therapist is allowed to obviously report that to the police. Uh, Dominique, she could keep making money that way while she had lost her license. They talked about it on the Mormon podcast. Wow. You're plugged in better than me. You know, I'm just um, reporting some of the stuff. Connections, Sarah Keach is considered a tax-free nonprofit because she's literally paid directly from the Mormon church because of the referrals from the bishops. How else would she have a $3.5 million house? Good question. I certainly don't have a $3.5 million house. <laughs> Liza Ferguson. Around the world, the LDS Mormon Church is hemorrhaging members. Even in the U.S., they are losing. Wow. I didn't know that. And um, it's it's crazy. It's, um, uh, you know, there was a, 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 a nephew of Ruby Frankie, the name of Matthew Frankie, and he was speaking up out about the family. And I'm going to play a little bit of what he said. This is relatively newish and he hasn't been on this show at least before we haven't played what he said before let me get a little of this ruby and jody being arrested on child abuse allegations gosh there's a lot of thoughts going through my head i was um a little bit stunned that someone that i was related to had just been arrested and made um national news <laughs> um and I'm still kind of trying to understand how anyone in my family, whether they're directly related to me or extended to, could do that to their family. How have you been digesting this? Have you been watching any coverage? Have you been looking up things? 
Have you been trying to keep a distance? Like, how have you been digesting this over the last few weeks? Uh, well, it started with, uh, I was really trying to keep a distance with it at first. Um, but it's kind of like a train wreck that you can't look away from. Uh, so I've been like, uh, you know, like on breaks at work and stuff. And uh, I think this guy has like a nervous laugh instead of not knowing what to do. He nervously laughs, but it's obviously not funny. And between classes, like I'll see little thumbnails and stuff pop up on my phone. And I just, I read it when I watch them. So I've been following it over the last couple of weeks. Um, and that's, it's, it's been a lot to process. <laughs> um there have been a lot of people who uh, uh, especially like i've made the mistake of going through like social media comments and stuff like that and they've been you know making suggestions um that like my family in particular and like the other people on the frankie side of the family had some idea that any of this was going on um and that's been a little hard to read because you know we haven't really seen ruby for like 10 years um and so it's uh it was it was infuriating reading some of those things because it's like that's we have like nothing to do with her really <laughs> but yet you somehow thought that another nervous laugh like we knew what was going on well matthew is that the case have you not seen ruby in a long time when do you think the last time you saw her was the last time so um we have never like met for really long periods of time the last time I saw her specifically was, I think, two years ago um, when I had lunch with my cousin Sherry, who I would like to add, never spoke to me about any of this and never made indication, any indication that anything was going on. And I really wish that she would have. Um, <clears throat> but she and I were having lunch and Kevin and Ruby tagged along as well as my parents. And so we, uh, we sat around for couple hours and then kind of just parted ways for the rest of the year pretty much <laughs> have you talked to sherry or or chad or any of your other kind of cousins about any of this in the last few weeks since all of this came out no uh i reached out to sherry um the i think the day after ruby was arrested and like the article started coming out you know i messaged her and said hey um you know what's going on are you okay is there something i can do to help and she never has um she has responded to me since um so i'm not really sure what's going on there um uh, but i hope to hear from you soon yeah. what is the hardest part about all of this been for you has it been the messages towards your family has it been those perceptions i mean what have been the difficulties that have come with all of this for you as a I'd say distant family member to ruby in this situation um yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, I I think a lot of that that perception has kind of been the difficult part for me. I you know obviously I'm really concerned about um, Russell and Eve. Um, I, you know because I've been I've been thinking back on um, memories where like we have seen them at um, like uh, Christmas family reunions and stuff. You know, trying to think like was there anything that I could have seen um, that could have suggested. You know, folks, it's it's amazing to me that, uh, you know, this, the podcast, just watching it, you could see the, the horrific things going on just by watching the podcast. Edamami, edamami.
Archaic governance is the most damaging optics for the Mormon church in 2023. It is a Christian religion supposed to evangelize love, kindness, inclusiveness, but the church is not so. Edamami, thank you for your thoughts there. I really appreciate that. Um, uh, Nettie, thank you so much for your generosity. 499 super sticker, very much appreciated, guys. Uh, 499 and a 199. I appreciate that. You play, you pay. Thank you so much for your five dollar super sticker. You know, I just what baffles me the most about this case again is it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be out there and it's going to be on the front burner of every damn station. But I cannot believe how much um, Kevin Frankie is not at the forefront of this. Um, how is he not involved? How has he not yet been implicated? And again, I, on a previous episode, I indicated that potentially um, they may use him as a witness and he could be not the prosecutor could look at him as not the worst in this case. They could look at, of course, Jody Hildebrandt as being the worst and second his wife, Ruby Frankie. So that is my only thoughts that they could be thinking of using him as a witness. So therefore he has not yet cr been criminally implicated. New developments involving a high profile child abuse case right here in Utah. Our team coverage begins as lawyers in the child abuse case against popular YouTubers Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt are now demanding the medical records of the two Frankie children who were reportedly found injured and malnourished in late August. And we're also going to share a two news exclusive interview with Frankie's nephew who shines a little bit of light on what it was like to be a part of the family. Paul, prosecutors have been asking for these medical records for some time now. So why did it take the judge in the case so long to sign off on the subpoena? Well, we do not have a specific answer for why it took so long. However, some legal analysts that we spoke with say that waiting a week or even more to get a signature on a document, not that uncommon in their world. And also, he says that he is not surprised that the prosecution did not need those medical records right away. The prosecutors proposed the subpoena back on September 14th, but it wasn't signed off by Judge John Walton until the 25th, 11 days later. That might seem like a long time for a piece of paper to be signed, but former Salt Lake County Prosecutor Jeremy Diaz says it's really not. For instance, he says there was a judicial conference earlier this month, and the judges might not have been available to sign off on anything. There's a real possibility that just part of it was related to the judicial conference. Um, and then just kind of getting back to this backlog, backlog of stuff that had to be signed. The subpoena specifically asked for hospital records about Ruby Frankie's children on or about August 30th. Diaz says the prosecution is likely looking for evidence of older injuries to establish a pattern of abuse. Hildebrandt's niece, Jesse Hildebrandt, told Two News' Brian Schnee there is a pattern. The things that I experienced while living with Jody, I experienced being tied, I experienced being duct taped, I experienced being blindfolded, I experienced uh, severe isolation. These are not new. These are not, um, this, this is a pattern that Jody has been um, engaged with for at least 14 years. Diaz also says it's common in abuse cases for victims to reveal details to doctors that they did not reveal to investigators. Those statements are frequently found in medical records, although hearsay rules still apply. I think you see that from time to time. Yes, people are going to maybe tell doctors 
something that they don't tell police or maybe a doctor asks a specific question and it's a response to a question that the doctor asks that maybe the officer doesn't ask. All of this information could be very helpful to the prosecution if the Frankie children don't want to testify. He says prosecutors frequently let abuse victims avoid taking the witness stand. You have them get up there and testify. They have to confront their parent. Do you want to put them back through that trauma? Now, the Washington County Attorney's Office was given more time to sift over what they call copious amounts of evidence. Now, the hearing was, is going to happen sometime after October 5th. I called the County Attorney's Office today, and they told me they still don't have their hearing scheduled yet. Reporting. Folks, you know, we had spoken about this on a prior episode, and it's very common in these uh, cases that you want you want to have the children x-rayed and looked at for old injuries, old injuries that healed. Potentially, there could be broken bones that healed. And, you know, unless a doctor reviews these and, and does x-rays and does the necessary tests, it can very easily, uh, you know, heal up and, and there was no one that reported. Donna Hoy, thank you so much for the 499 uh, super sticker. It is Irish Bill pronounced Hoey. Okay, now I got it. H-O-E-Y. Thank you very much for I pronounce a lot of things incorrectly. I'm always my my wife and sons are always getting on me. He's like, Yeah, you said that wrong, you know. And I used to my own father used to do the same thing. He always pronounced things well, <laughs> certain words incorrectly. And we used to laugh because my father was from Brooklyn. He had that the Brooklynisms in his voice. And uh I want to play it just uh we'll finish up with this. This was uh Jody Hildebrandt's niece and She's very articulate, and we saw her on the earlier video. I just want to finish up with this here. We knew that Jody does this. We knew 14, almost 15 years ago that she's already done this to me. And people saw and people witnessed and did nothing. She made me sleep outside in the snow. She duct taped me. Um, I wasn't allowed to speak to anyone. What, in theory, was the justification for the duct tape? The duct tape was in her words, an external reminder to me that I'm a liar and that every word that comes out of my mouth is a lie. I understand why the public is focusing on Ruby. It's Ruby's children. But all of these, these theories and these modalities and these, these parenting ideas, that all comes from Jody. That is 100% the therapeutic ideas of Jody Hildebrandt. Did you ever imagine a day where you would be free and Jody would be in prison? No, <laughs> it's uh, it it still feels so surreal. We knew. I'm amazed, you know, amazing that uh, this girl is. Uh, she seems to have put this behind her, but I'm sure it's never totally behind you because it's a horror that the memories of you, the trauma, and probably even the the PTSD you have from it. MK, thank you so much for the 999 super sticker. He was in that home when the daughter was letting people know of the abuse. He's just as responsible. He wants those kids because he wants to have an influence on their testimony to save his own butt. MK, you know something? I think that's a good insight you have into that. I've said from day one that I believe he is culpable in this case, and he's not the innocent person with whom his defense attorney is pointing as if, oh, he has no idea about anything. 
He doesn't even know what day it is. You know, it's just ridiculous. You know what time it is? Look at the clock, you know. Uh, Googie Grant. From what I've seen, Ruby and Lori Vallow were mainstream Mormons until Ruby started being a YouTube star and Lori met Chad. Today's church is not the church I joined in the 1970s. Yeah, uh, I mean, Mel Stiller, who knows what the Frankie children have been subjected to? Aside from mental abuse, who knows if they suffered broken bones that were never treated in a hospital? And Mel, that's one of the reasons for x-rays, to go see if there's old injuries. Uh, and that's uh, in a medical examination, an alleged uh, abuse, there should be x-rays. And I mean, obviously, doctors and hospitals know what they're doing. And, uh, and there should be social workers that question these kids as well as law enforcement uh, and I've mentioned in the NYPD, we have a unit called Special Victims that does that, that has a child abuse section in, in Special Victims that's specially trained to interview children. Jennifer Bossert, the abandonment a child feels from this type of abuse is lifelong. Jesse, I'm sure, struggles with that so much. Jennifer, of course, you're right, very articulate, and uh, there's no doubt to that. Dominique, what parent wants to sue their child for getting their kid's stuff with the police and then threatens to sue? You know something, Dominique? You are 100% correct. You're right. That struck me as like, whoa, where's this guy coming from, right? Sunset gazing. What's strange is Sergeant Bill ends his streaming, and I'm like, wait, what? He just started the stream. Don't go, Bill. Could listen to him all night. Well, thank you. But uh, all good things must come to an end at some point, you know, and uh, I love doing this show and uh soldier girl svu that's what they call it on t tv special victims unit they years ago when i first came on the job they used to call it manhattan sex crimes or brooklyn sex crimes, bronx sex crimes staten island queens and then they changed it uh to a kinder more gentler uh name and special victims and of course it became famous from the tv show and uh but Manhattan special victims, uh, when I was on the job, they were in the same building as us, 3280 Broadway on 133rd Street and Broadway. We weren't in a precinct. We were in an office building and owned by Columbia University. And uh, that's where we worked out of. And special victims was right on the same floor as us. Uh, when a female takes liberties with a male, Joe R., um, Physical evidence nearly impossible to obtain. I, you must have been talking to someone in the chat. Uh, Mel Stiller, the few Frankie children have been raised to believe that whatever happens to them is always their fault. How very sad. Absolutely. And that's has a lot with kids that are subjected to this type of thing. That is uh, the trauma that they deal with. These poor kids, the trauma they are go still going through is ridiculous and no kid should ever have to be put through this. I agree. You are 100% correct. Heather, whatever, good to see you in the chat. Uh, all you guys, truth seeker. I think Ruby was the one calling the shots in that family from the looks of it. The husband was suffering coercive abuse from Ruby. She's the one that told him to leave. Yeah, and you know something? She obviously, as we would say, uh, is wearing the pants because she's the one in, in power. Uh, Dominique, he and Dominique, thank you for all your uh, comments tonight. Very well received. He hates the oldest because she won't do what he wants and he can't control her. 
absolutely i think you're 100 correct uh tiff knox is is humming the song from law and order <laughs> uh sunset gazing i wonder what happened to the oldest boy he looked defeated when he came back from one of the camps uh you know people get beaten down mentally sometimes you know mk if kevin is this easily controlled he sure doesn't need the kids he needs to grow up and protect his family from abuse 100 karenia kevin is spineless well good thought i think i think i think you're right uh all some along all this stuff makes me sad how many children are we not hearing about oh, the majority of them that's how many most of them you know uh most kids that are subjected to this they suffer in silence you know it's uh it's a horrible thing um folks i think that was our show for tonight uh you play you pay oldest boy lives with kevin oh my god that's uh that is what it is what are we gonna do we can't just start from there right now and start talking about that i just don't i that's a subject for probably another show you know uh is there's so much more that's going to come out during this case and you know it's it's the early phases and again they haven't even been bailed yet and i think the bail will be very high but i think it's going to happen i think there's going to be a lot of restrictions on the bail you know surrender your passport uh perhaps ankle bracelet uh not a bracelet an ankle monitor electronic monitor mary lynn Manetta. oh i put i put kim on the uh, on instead but it's always good to see kim too uh mary lynn she mary lynn i can now i can't oh there you go you went by real fast great show bill mary lynn thank you so much uh very much appreciated you know it's always good to get praise and you know uh Truth seek, I've watched an abusive relationship where the man was the abused, the abused partner does need help. But if you haven't experienced it, it's easy to judge. You know, guys, you had some outstanding comments in the chat tonight. I just want to thank everyone. Dominique, Nettie, Mel Stiller, Cheryl F. Uh, thank you guys, Erica Olson, all summer long. Lorna McKenzie, Kim, of course, for being one of our great monitors. Uh, Barbara Ann, Bob, 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 Barbara. <laughs> I don't want this like my co Coffee with Cannon show that I used to do. Uh, but thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. Um, this is this has been a I thought a pretty pretty good show, you know. And uh, we had a lot of people tuning in. Uh, I want to say have a great night, everyone. God bless, and I'll see you the next time. Police off the cuff, real crime stories. Stay safe, everyone. So just ain't enough